Welcome to the Stop Animatics Podcast with your hosts, Donnie and Rob. We're here to help you thrive in a world of big data and complex analytics. Welcome to the Stop Animythics Podcast. We're excited that you're here with us this week. Uh, today we're talking about uh, traffic accidents and how those things have been trending in the United States. Uh, this is a first in the series uh, where we're titling Perception versus Reality. We're just going to talk about a whole host of issues and, you know, really where do things stand in the United States. And so we're excited about it. We hope you enjoy it and sit back and relax and enjoy today's episode, Perception versus Reality, Traffic Accidents. All right, Rob, how are you doing today? Hope everything is going well. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, doing well. How's it going there, Donnie? Doing good. Can't complain a bit. The weather's beautiful and, uh, you know, life is pretty much turning up roses at this point. Um, last week when we were, uh, you know, catching up on the podcast, we were um, talking about the differences in perceptions between, um, you know, different subgroups in the United States uh, relative to a bunch of different topics, but particularly the pandemic. And uh, we use that as sort of a, a stepping stone to talk about uh, this notion that perception and reality are oftentimes different, that we, uh, and when I say we, I mean me, I, go through the world um, trying to make assessments of risk and, you know, what the right answer is. But a lot of times I'm really drawing from either biased or just completely incorrect uh, information when uh, when I do that. And, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about last week is we really want to talk about some of these things uh, that are going on in the United States and just try to level set on perception versus reality. And today we wanted to focus on um, traffic accidents and, and deaths and traffic deaths in the United States. And so I guess the first question, Rob, is when when you think about the state of driving in general, so somebody says, like, how do people drive these days or what's going on in driving? Like, what what would you say? Like, how would you respond to that kind of inquiry? Oh, I would say it's it's crazy out there. I don't like driving. I think it's gotten worse. Um, I, I complain all the time. I think I, most times I'll come home and I'll tell my wife, you wouldn't believe, you know, I could, I could tell her a story every time about someone swerving out of their lane, uh, looking at their phone, texting, putting on makeup. There's something I see almost every time. So yes, I would say it's definitely gotten worse out there. Yeah. And it's one of the things I've noticed is that, Pretty much always the people that I talk to, particularly of my age or maybe a little bit older, um, when you ask about driving, it's always the same answer. It's always it's getting worse. It's getting nuts. Yep. People are crazy out there and, you know, nobody can drive anymore. It's just it's just, it's, it's never a pleasant, um, positive response, particularly those people that sit around the tables and places like Bojangles and, and Hardee's <laughs> and that kind of thing. Right. Like, it's just not a. It's not a real positive impression. Um, what, where, where are you drawing that impression from, right? Like what information are you using? Is there anything other than your personal experience that you're using to, to make those assessments? No, not nothing. It's just what I see. Yeah, it's just anecdotal. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that, um, you know, there are a few things that are at play uh, that most of us experience. Um, you know, number one is the, the longer you live, 
um, the more you've had time to experience both the positive, but also the negative aspects of anything really like, so, you know, whether it's driving or homeownership or, you know, the weather, um, you just have more opportunities to experience um, those rare and unusual events. And so it's not surprising to me that as you um, get older, as I get older, that we, you know, start to think about um, the negative aspects of driving and, you know, people's behavior on the roads um, is one thing. Uh, The second thing that generally happens to people is we generally become more conservative and more risk averse as we get older. Um, And so we also tend to, therefore, focus on those things which we perceive as negative, right? So we become much more cautious. We become much more focused on uh, safety and making sure, you know, negative things don't happen. And, you know, again, there's an entire distribution of this and different people will will vary. But on average, we tend to do that as we age. And so it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that your experiences um, lead you to that conclusion. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that, you know, the folks are sitting around Bojangles or um, Hardee's or wherever they're having their their morning retirement breakfast, that they also have that same set of uh, experiences uh, and beliefs. Um, but I think it feeds into this other thing. So the other thing that, uh, you know, you and I have talked about, and the other thing that I've continued to notice is um, traffic accidents or traffic deaths um, and the risk associated with driving just show up over and over and over again. Um, in these memes about the COVID nineteen pandemic, have you have you seen some of those things as well? Oh, for sure, yeah. And um, I think it's interesting. Like, why why is it so? Why is it always about traffic accidents? So you'll see a meme that says, "Well, you know, driving is more dangerous than um, COVID. Um, you know, uh, driving is more dangerous uh, than than wearing a mask, or less dangerous than wearing a mask, or whatever." And so um, they'll use it as a sort of a foundational conversation piece to say, hey, I don't need to mask or I don't need to worry about this or I don't need to have any sort of regulatory intervention because it's really not that bad. You know, you on a daily basis engage in an activity which is a lot more risky than this. Right. So they're trying to say uh, that driving is more risky than um, than the COVID-19 pandemic. And. You know, it's it's fascinating to watch and kind of curious as to why it's always driving. Um, but if you take a step back, I think it is kind of, um, you know, sensical from some perspective. That really, um, you know, when we think about risk, so if I say you have a 10% risk of experiencing um, a largely negative outcome from, you know, some uh, medicine, like, what does that mean? You know, what, is, what does that mean to you? It's it's like that absolute number when it comes to risk for us as human beings is um, is relatively empty, right? We just don't have a good sense of what that means. And so we're constantly looking to compare risk of different activities or risk of different outcomes to something that we have experienced. And so um, I think one of the things that's going on there is when somebody says this is more or less risky than driving, what they're trying to point to is something that, you have experience with that that most of us have experience with and saying, Hey, look, you're choosing to engage in the activity of driving and you're already choosing to engage in something which most of these memes will purport is less risky than the COVID-19 pandemic. And so um, they're using this as a leverage point to give people a, a frame of reference or a point of comparison to try to minimize the risk associated with COVID-19 
um, by saying that it's less risky than something that we all engage in on a pretty regular basis in the United States. Which makes sense, right? If you're going to compare it to something, if you want that message to hit home with somebody, you got to make it, you got to compare it to something they already do. You're not going to compare it to uh, chasing tornadoes or snake charming, right? Because right. <laughs> what, is, what is that going to be? Hey, <laughs> hey, what you're doing is it's, it's more dangerous than snake charming. Right. Uh, what, does that, what does that mean to anybody? Yeah. And, and the two important pieces are one, it's an activity that most people have experience with. And so you can draw on that experience as some sort of frame of reference. Um, and then number two, it's an activity that people choose to engage in, right? So even, you know, the, the probability of being struck by lightning or some of these other things, these are things that are out of our control. And so um, I think the, the power of the point that people are trying to make is A, you have experience with this and you know that you choose to do it. And B, it's that piece about choosing to do it. There's an activity you choose to engage in. And so if I can show you that the risk of this is less risky than something you already choose to do, then I can um, have some leverage and ability to influence uh, your frame of reference and opinion on this particular um, this particular pandemic. Okay, that makes sense. So now that they compare it to this, um, how does this tie in with perception versus reality? Yeah, well, let's take a quick break and we come back. Um, you know, we'll talk about this. So again, there are lots of people who think that driving has gotten a lot worse over time. That's me. And that's me too, actually. I mean, when I look around and, and the other thing I should say, by the way, is we are getting more crowded, right? There are more people on the road. And so um, that in and of itself, I think also shapes um, some people's perspective on that. But that, but that's the first thing. So people perceive that people drive now worse than they used to. Um, and then the second thing is this sort of continual conversation that tries to suggest uh, that the probability of dying from COVID is much less than the probability of dying from driving. And so why don't I take a quick break and when we come back, um, we can talk about each of those things and, uh, you know, what is the reality? So there's perception, but what is the reality? So, Rob, we have um, started a conversation about uh, driving and traffic accidents and uh, traffic deaths in the United States. And again, um, I think most people perceive that, uh, you know, driving is a lot more dangerous or risky or at least stressful than it used to be. Uh, and then a lot of people seem to perceive that the, the risk associated with driving is uh, much less than the risk associated with the COVID-19 pandemic. So what are you going to teach me here? Because I definitely think driving is worse these days. Yeah. So there, there's an interesting thing. So let, let's take them one at a time. So let's, let's talk okay. about the um, the relative risk uh, presented by the COVID-19 pandemic versus the risk associated uh, with driving during the course of a year. Now, okay. um, one thing I think we have to be um, abundantly clear on is that there is a difference between uh, the overall risk of an activity across the population. So the, uh, the risk that someone in the United States dies from a traffic accident versus the risk that someone in the United States dies from COVID-19. There's a difference between that and the probability that any individual dies from the COVID-19 pandemic or any individual dies from a traffic accident. So I think, first of all, we have to be careful about levels. Now, the problem with that is um, if we truly wanted to assess, if I wanted to assess my probability 
of dying in a traffic accident versus my probability of uh, dying from COVID, um, I would have to know a lot of things, right? So I would have to know how often I drive. Um, I would have to know the the places that I drive. Are they places that are um, prone to accidents, not prone to accidents? Are they, you know, densely populated areas with lots of traffic? Are they sparse areas with very little traffic? Um, I would need to know the riskiness of the behaviors that I undertake. Do I speed? Do I tailgate? Do I, um, you know, drink when I drive or any of those kinds of things? Um, We'd have to know the kind of car that I'm driving. So different kinds of cars have, you know, different risk associated with, um, with them when they actually enter into crashes. And so, if I'm evaluating just my probability of being in a car accident and dying from that, I'd have to know all those things. On the other side, if I wanted to know my um, probability of dying from the COVID-19 virus, I'd have to know uh, my genetic makeup. I'd have to know um, the riskiness of the behaviors that I engage in. Um, am I, you know, am I doing things that are likely going to expose me and expose me with a high initial viral load? Um, I'd have to know my underlying conditions, my BMI. Um, I'd have to know if I have some sort of hidden disease or if I've had historically heart disease, uh, am I pregnant, um, all those kinds of things, right? And so it is very difficult to get an accurate assessment as an individual, what is my individual probability of dying from COVID-19 versus what is my individual probability from, uh, you know, dying through, through a traffic accident over the course of a year. It sounds almost impossible to compare. It sounds like apples and oranges, no? It's almost impossible. And, and, you know, in a theoretical world, um, if you could gather all that information and you you had accurate assessments of all those things, you could get fairly accurate. But um, what we have to think about in the context of this, in the absence of all those information, pieces of information, is what is the aggregate probability in the United States that someone dies from the pandemic versus the aggregate probability that someone in the United States um, dies from a car crash. And I think the, you know, the interesting thing is, is when I, when I see these memes getting passed around, they're always listing the number of traffic fatalities in the United States in the millions. And, you know, um, in some cases, I think they're just confusing worldwide numbers. In some cases, I think folks are just kind of uh, exaggerating the numbers. Um, But the reality is over the past several years, um, there have been about 35, uh, plus or minus 1,000 traffic fatalities per year in the United States. So 35,000 plus or minus a few thousand. So somewhere in between that and 40,000 is where the traffic fatalities have been um, over the past several years in the United States. So do you just compare like total numbers like that compared to the hundreds of thousands of COVID deaths? So if you think about the aggregate probability, then yes. So the aggregate probabilities associated with driving are that, you know, 35 plus or minus 1,000 people in the United States die from traffic accidents. Um, And if you compare that to the COVID-19 pandemic, um, where you actually had uh, 550 some odd thousand folks, I think, over the course of a 12-month period who died from the pandemic. And, you know, let me me put a little asterisk on that. That is the number of people who died with uh, public interventions in place, right? So with social distancing measures, with masking measures, um, you know, with a lot of these stay-at-home kinds of things that were in place. And so, you know, not everybody abided by those things, um, but those things were in place. And so that should have dampened significantly the number of people infected and therefore uh, the number of people who died from the disease. And so even with those things in place, we had over 550,000 people die over the course of a year. And if you just compare those two numbers, 
um, you're way more than 15 times more likely as someone in the United States to die from COVID than you are to die in a traffic accident. So it makes those, those memes seem a little ridiculous then. On an aggregate basis, it does. Right. Right. Um, someone could argue, well, if I'm young and if I'm healthy um, and then um, you know, I'm a safe driver and I have a really good car and I don't drive on roads that are crowded or any of those kinds of things, there is probably someone in the United States whose individual probability is less um, that they're going to die from a car accident than it is that they are going to die from COVID. But it is virtually impossible to identify with any level of specificity which population of people that actually is. Um, and there's, there's a second piece of that as well, which is it's not even just an individual decision. And, and you know, I think that uh, this this gets lost in a lot of the conversations. Um, driving, by the way, is also not an individual decision. Um, if somebody has a car accident, it's not just themselves they're putting at risk. They're putting other people at risk as well. Um, so as they, you know, are crossing lanes or as they're, uh, you know, running afoul, there's always a possibility they're going to hurt someone else, <clears throat> you know, and it's the, it's the argument when we think about, uh, you know, drunk driving and stuff. It's not it's not a risk you're taking upon yourself. It's a risk you're giving to everyone else you come in contact with. And the same is true of COVID. And so um, not only is it hard to understand individually what are the probabilities in each case, the reality is that it's not an individual decision. Um, the amount of spread of the virus, uh, how you know common it is, um, whether I as an individual get it and am fine, I'm still playing a part in the continual spread of the virus and giving it a vector um, that can actually move it from a person who was totally healthy to me who was totally healthy to someone else who is not going to survive because they've gotten this COVID-19 virus. And, you know, that is the difficult thing to really factor in is that social uh, impact of continuing to spread the virus, even if we as individuals might be okay. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I think it's just a ridiculous comparison. Um, car accident deaths and, and COVID. Like the one comparison I like is you get a better chance of getting struck by lightning than winning the lottery. That I can I can deal with. That that tells me don't don't even bother playing the lottery because you know that I can take something away from that to give, to give me perspective on my chances of actually winning Powerball or whatever mm -hmm. that gives me perspective. This, this, this does not, this like too many variables, car accidents and, and COVID. It, it just yeah. makes the, the comparison makes no sense to me. And, and in aggregate, the probability that if you live in the United States, you die from COVID over the past year is more than 15 times higher than if you died from a traffic accident. And so, at the level at which people use this information inside those memes, it certainly is incorrect. It, it, it is not true that, you know, in the United States, on average, we have a much higher probability of dying from a traffic accident. It's actually exactly the opposite. And so, you know, when those folks put those things out, what they're really saying is, are you willing to engage in an activity that is 15 times more deadly uh, than driving, right? And, and that's at the minimal, again, because those numbers are with a lot of social interventions in place. And so, you know, the, the argument is to try to get people not to adhere to those things. And by not adhering to those things, they would actually increase the probabilities associated um, with all those different outcomes. And so, you know, clearly on, on its surface, um, that is a place where, um, you know, the, the, the comparison is, you know, 
deeply flawed at best um, and at worst is just nonsensical, like you said. And so I think it's important for people to really understand that number, that 35 to 40,000 uh, traffic accidents or sorry, traffic deaths each year in the United States is where the reality of those numbers are. It's not in the millions. It's not in the hundreds of thousands. It's in the 35 to, to 40,000 range. Um, and so for those folks who are using that as a meme, I think they really need to understand that. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think that's pretty clear. Um, yeah. It's a lot of deaths. Uh, COVID, a lot of deaths from car crashes. Is there any yeah. good news today, Donnie, or did you just bring, did you just bring the storm of bad news today? No, no. I, I think, you know, and it's, um, it's, it, it's hard to do this, right? Because again, every life that is lost is an, is an important life, right? I mean, it, it is, it's something that we should mourn and something that we should continue to work against. And so I, I don't want to uh, minimize the people who are losing their life in traffic accidents. And I certainly don't want to minimize um, anyone who's lost a family member uh, to COVID. But on the traffic facility side, um, I think there's an interesting thing um, when you look back over history. So um, if you look back to the 1970s, for example, or even around 1980, there were about 51,000 deaths per year during that time period. So 1979, uh, 1980, 1978, um, there was an average of about 50 to 51,000 traffic fatalities every year. And so um, the folks who say, you know what, driving has gotten so much worse. If you just look at the absolute number of traffic fatalities, um, those have gone down significantly from around 50 to 51,000 to somewhere in the 35 to 40,000 range, right? And so, you know, that is a, um, you know, 30% reduction in the number of traffic fatalities every year over the past 40 years. And I don't think people understand that at all. I certainly don't, because not from what I see on the road. And you're talking way back around 1980 that there's there are a lot less lot less people in this country a lot less driving so this like just from what i see that makes no sense to me yeah right and and that and that's the amazing part about it right that's if you look at the absolute so how many people lost their lives due to traffic accidents um it's gone down by about 30 percent if you incorporate the two things what you just said which is we have more people now and we have more driving and you create a metric which is death per million miles that number is down about 67% over the past 40 years. So you are one third as likely to die from a traffic accident per mile driven than you would have been in 1980, which is just an amazing, amazing thing. You know, it's a 65 to 70% reduction in your probability of dying per mile you drive, which is just amazing and kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah, those numbers are very surprising to me. Or is this like, is it just because of like less drunk driving or, or what? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think this is a story that people don't, um, don't realize number one. And I think the, the reason they don't realize um, that this has been going on over the past several decades is partially for this reason. It's not just reductions in drunk driving. There are so many pieces and parts to this story. So many things that have actually contributed to, uh, traffic fatalities going down. I mean, if you think about um, the drunk driving, so you had organizations like, you know, MAD, and you had laws that were enacted about drunk driving. You had, um, you know, establishments can now be held accountable if they serve people that are drunk and they go out and drive. And so, right. you know, there's been a lot of laws that have been put in place around, um, you know, impaired driving, and, and those have had an impact. 
Um, if you look on the other side of it, you know, technological advances have had a, a big impact. So electronic stability control has been a big deal. Anti-lock brakes have been a big deal. Um, airbags have been a big deal. Um, uh, legislation and regulations that require cars to pass certain safety standards have caused cars to get safer um, over time. Um, the fact that, you know, seatbelts are required means the number of people who wear seatbelts go up dramatically over that period of time. Um, the yep. roads and the regulations about how roads are built and the kinds of things that have to be true have made the roads themselves actually safer. And so there's like a million little things that all add up to a significant, I mean, just crazy reduction. I mean, we should be celebrating, right? I mean, again, mourning the people who are still dying via traffic accidents and trying to lower the number even more, but celebrating, that's an incredible reduction. Reduced in 40 years, the probability of dying from a traffic accident by 65 to 70%. That is crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the article you sent me now and that the, the number of deaths per hundred thousand people, that number you referenced, that's insane how, how much that went down. Yeah. And the fascinating thing is when you actually look at the number of traffic accidents, those have also gone down. So it's, it's, yeah. it, it's sort of a, a twofold thing. The number of traffic accidents have gone down as well as uh, the number of traffic fatalities have gone down. And it is an amazing success story that no one pays attention to. And I think, Partially, no one pays attention to it because there was no silver bullet, right? There, there's no, right. there's no organization that can stand up and say, "Hey, we reduce the number of traffic fatalities um, per mile driven by you know sixty five to seventy percent." All you have are these groups of individuals who are focused on pieces and parts of this that can say, "We contributed to that. We contributed to that." But it's an amazing success story as a country. I mean, that that is just crazy, crazy good reduction in terms of the number of people who die from traffic fatalities. Right. And and if you're a reporter, if you're doing the evening news, what what makes a better story? Like that massive crash that's holding up traffic for three hours or what you're talking about? Like who's going to report on this with all these moving parts, seatbelts, drunk driving laws, establishments can't serve drunk people. That It just doesn't make an interesting story for right. like an article, right? An article or, or the news when, when the big crashes, if it, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Yeah, right. And, you know, and again, like we haven't even talked about all the things. There there are laws that were put in place about, um, you know, young people and their ability to get a license. Like when I was a kid, like literally, like you, you showed up to the DMV, you took a five-minute driving test, you took a paper test, and they gave yes. you your license and said, have at it, you know, yep. go, go have fun. And, uh, you know, myself and I know a lot of people around me within a year of getting their their license had a, had a wreck. I had a major wreck when I was a few months removed from getting my license. And, you know, a lot of those laws have changed as well. So there are just so many different reasons that it's hard to stand up and celebrate them all individually. But the the sort of aggregate impact is just amazing and beautiful and crazy. And let me put in a little perspective here. So. If um, the the fatality rate per mile driven had stayed the same as it was in 1980, um, we would have about 70,000 deaths per year more. If you think about over the decade, that would be 700,000 more deaths. If you think about over two decades, that's 1.4. If you think about over three or four decades, we're talking about, you know, two and a half, three million individuals who would have died who are now alive. Now, on top of that, you have to think about them having children. 
right? And their children having children. There are literally today millions of people who are alive because of all these efforts who wouldn't be walking the earth right now. And there are people around them, their families, their children, um, who would not have their parents, would not have their brother, would not have their child who have that right now. That is such an amazing change as a country and as a society in terms of our ability to tackle a problem, not with one big silver bullet, but with a lot of unique and sort of small interventions um, that add up to a really big decrease in this number. Yeah. When you put it in perspective like that, the millions of people that are alive today, it, it is, it's mind blowing. Yeah. I almost feel like we should have like a, you know, like you don't know who those million people are, but we should just, you know, line up, um, you know, two, three million people on the Washington mall and say, look, as a country, this is what we accomplished. We together, by doing all these things, we were able to save this many people over the past few decades. Right. And I I think, I think it would be a beautiful and amazing thing to celebrate as a country because it's hard work. Right. I mean, like people are working on this. I mean, you know, uh, car companies are making cars with better technology. Um, individual companies are building technology that goes into those cars. The folks who manage our highway systems are making better decisions about the kinds of intersections they put in and the way they build roads. Um, you know, the, the laws have gotten better that create accountability for people uh, engaging in things that are reckless. Um, it's just so many different things that had to happen and so many things that don't get celebrated um, because again, it's hard to see them as individually having that big of an impact, but that's that's a major, massive movement over the past four decades in terms of traffic fatalities. I agree. But can I call your attention to some other numbers on here? Sure. Because I, I still think people out there are driving distracted. And I still think, I think the numbers have come down, I think, in spite of the way some people behave in their cars. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm looking at, at what you sent me here and the numbers um, I'm just looking at motor vehicle crash deaths by type. Okay. And so yep. you're looking, like you say, 30, you know, we're looking in 30,000 roughly and um, passenger vehicle occupants, occupants though, those numbers have gone down. You see where that goes from the thirties down to the low twenties. Mm-hmm. So that, so those numbers are going down, but pedestrians, they're getting killed more. They're going from like 4,000s up to up 6,200 last year. Mm-hmm. Motorcyclists, um, an uptick recently. So they were in the, you know, 2000s, 3000s. We got them down, but now they're up over 5,000. And then bicyclists, too. That bicyclists have now gone from like 600, 700. They're well over 800 now. So it seems to me that overall the numbers are going down, but they're going down mostly because of the people that are sitting in the cars. They're not getting killed, but pedestrians, motorcyclists, and bicyclists are. But not those numbers aren't going up as high as the people in the cars are going down. So mm-hmm. could that be? I mean, I there's there's no there's no detail into these numbers. I mean, you'd have to investigate every single one of these accidents, which is impossible. But it seems to me as though this is good news if you're a person riding in a car, right? You, your numbers are going down, but if you're walking, you're on a motorcycle or a bike, your numbers are going up to me without going into detail. It seems to me like this is, this could be distracted driving. Like the, the people, if you're in a car, you got a better chance of living, but if you're walking or cycling, 
you have a better chance of dying. Could that be distracted driving? Uh, certainly it could be. Um, you know, the way I would say it is sort of twofold. Like, there's not a clear um, measure of how many miles people in the United States are walking per year. Um, but certainly that has gone up, right? And so when you look at the absolute number of uh, pedestrian fatalities, for example, um, a lot more people are walking. Um, I don't have good information on how many more miles people walk. And so I don't know if the probability of uh, being in a fatal pedestrian accident with a car has gone up in proportion with the number of miles walked or um, faster right. than the number of miles w- walked. Um, but certainly there's another factor that's going on, which is uh, the urbanization of America. People are uh, living in closer and closer proximity to one another. Um, most of the downtown regions and city regions and most of the country have, uh, you know, gone through this sort of re- revitalization process and people are wanting to live uh, in those environments and have walkability and, you know, go from place to place. And so it's sort of like the number of, uh, you know, deer crashes and that kind of thing. As the land near those cities gets taken away and those animals get forced out into the streets, you just have more interactions between animals and cars. Well, as people move to cities, as people walk more, as people bike more, you just have more interactions between um, people and cars and people and uh, who are walking and people in cars and people who are riding bikes. And so it doesn't surprise me that those numbers are going up. I don't think it's necessarily indicative of more distracted driving. I think it's indicative of there just being a um, uh, more people walking, uh, more people biking. And there being more of an intersection between cars and bikes and cars and people walking because of the patterns and the way that people are um, sort of migrating inside of the United States. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. by the way, when you look at those numbers, there's another good news story in here too, which is, you know, one of the things we didn't even mention is all of the work that's been done by um, folks who drive for a living. So if you look at the large truck um, occupants, um, you know, both the number and the rate of, uh, you know, what's going on in terms of the number, you know, number of big truck fatalities per mile driven has also yep. gone way down. And, you know, there's a lot of work been done there about you know, making sure that people are sleeping and um, that the, the people who are, are driving aren't under the influence of anything. And so, again, just another way um, that, you know, a part of our country has really worked on reducing the number of fatalities um, associated with traffic accidents by really stepping up and taking accountability um, for their drivers and for their behaviors and making sure that they were doing things that are, uh, you know, much safer on the roads. Yeah. I, overall, I, I think you're right. This is a great story. and This is one that should be shouted from the rooftops, Donnie. It is. And, you know, if I were to um, go back to the folks who are sitting around in Bojangles or Hardee's or, you know, any of these early morning um, conversation sessions, um, I'd have to share this with them, right? And say, you know what? Um, You know, over time, if you really look at it, um, there are fewer accidents and there are fewer fatalities. And so even though experientially we may perceive that things are getting worse, in reality, they're getting much better. So much better that per mile you drive, the probability that someone dies uh, from a traffic accident has been cut by two thirds, you only have one third the probability of being um, in a, tr- a fatal accident per mile driven than you did in 1980. And so there have been massive improvements. And on the other side, for the folks who are comparing and saying perceptually that the risk of COVID is much less than driving, it's actually the opposite. The risk of um, driving is much less than COVID. Like just if you look at the data, if you look at the information, 
Um, the perception that it's uh, much more likely to die from a traffic accident is off. And the folks who are trying to leverage that in order to minimize the impact of uh, the pandemic are just uh, framing it in something that is is not true. And so um, I just think, again, it's fascinating how different the reality can be from what our individual perceptions are, but also what the aggregate perceptions are and the stories and the narratives that get created based on those perceptions um, for people in the United States. Yep. That was, that's me. I created those perceptions in my mind too, just from what I see every day. Well, Rob, today, um, We've talked about traffic accidents and and traffic fatalities, and, you know, I'm a little bit torn. On the one hand, um, there's still 35 to 40,000 people um, dying every year, and that that is so sad. And there's so many people who are um, impacted every year by losing someone in a a traffic accident. Um, But on the other hand, um, I feel a bit like we should, you know, break out uh, our favorite beverage and really sort of toast and celebrate the progress that we've made as a country Uh, reducing the probability that you're going to die from a traffic accident by two thirds over the course of 40 years. Um, That is a massive improvement in terms of traffic safety. Yeah, I agree that this, these numbers were very surprising to me and thank you for bringing to my attention. This really showed me like my perception was, was way off. If I had not looked for these numbers and just kind of uh, had some experience with them, I I would have been the same place, right? I'm the, I'm the same way. Like I, I watch people drive and I experience what I do on a daily basis. And my perception is that people are driving much worse and that people are all over the place and that, yeah. you know, it's not safe and all those kinds of things. Um, but it's only by looking at the actual data and the actual information that I can get grounded. And when, when I do that, it's such an amazing positive story about our ability as a country and a society to create positive change via a lot of little decisions and a lot of effort by a lot of people, we can literally change the course of um, our country and the people who live in it. Yeah, you're right. It took a lot, a lot of people, a lot of change to do it, but an amazing story. So thanks for bringing it to our attention. Yeah. And just to to circle back. So, uh, you know, in the opening, we said that there are two things that uh, we sort of feel. Number one is that people are driving much worse and it's much more dangerous on the highways and, you know, like we've talked about, clearly that's not the case when you look at the actual information. Um, the other was that all these memes are trying to utilize uh, traffic deaths as a uh, sort of framing for the risk associated with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, but most of them are framing it in the wrong direction. It is a lot more risky, um, or there's a much higher probability that someone in the United States will die from COVID over the past year um, than it is that they will um, die from a traffic fatality. And so, um, you can only know that by looking at the data and the information. And uh, so my encouragement as always is, uh, you know, don't just rely on your own perceptions. There, there is such a tendency to want to look at our own experiences and leverage them and weight them as, uh, you know, the only source of truth. But if we go out and we gather the data, we look at the data, we examine it rationally, sometimes we can see that our perceptions and the reality are just way off. And in those cases, we can use that information to reshape our understanding of the world and to make better decisions. Um, In this case, it's consequential, right? It's consequential, A, because, you know, if you're you're sort of uh, uh, guiding people to make decisions that are risky relative to the COVID-19 pandemic based on a false narrative that it compares favorably to the risk of dying from a traffic accident, 
um, then you're essentially manipulating people with false information and people are making decisions which are not in their own best interest. And so that's a, that's a real negative thing for those folks who are being, uh, you know, guided to do that. And then on the other side, um, you know, I think if we start to look at some of these things and we start to recognize some of the good news stories, um, it gives us a little bit of hope, right? So to me, it's a very hopeful story that as a country, we can come together with lots of effort and lots of decisions that none of them individually are silver bullet, but they all add up to creating a better outcome that literally probably means that millions of people on the earth right now would not have been here otherwise, that we can do that as a country, right? That is a very hopeful thing. And so, uh, again, my hope is that by grounding ourselves in the data, we can see some of these things and start to recognize some of the progress um, that we've made as a society on these dimensions. Yep, certainly eye-opening. Well, I hope you have a great week this week. And um, again, for those who are listening, uh, feel free to reach out to us at uh, animythics at gmail.com. We will uh, try to reach back out to you as soon as we can. Again, we'd love to hear from you. Any insights, any ideas, any thoughts uh, that you have about the stuff that we're doing. And uh, we're going to continue this series for a while. We're going to talk about uh, sort of a whole host of things that – you know, maybe we as a society have a narrative um, that might be disconnected from the reality. And uh, we just really want to ground ourselves in a lot of this data. So we're looking forward to it. We look forward to talking to you again next week. And in between, we hope you all stay happy and healthy and uh, have a great and amazing week. It's like food for your ears.